Well, praise the Lord. Good to um, thank you, team. Praise the Lord. Why don't we give them a little warm, again, just blessing us in song and, and worship this morning. And of course, um, especially being Father's Day, celebrating Father's Day, I always believe reminds us, and not only Father's Day, but also Mother's Day, I like it as well. It reminds us that family was God's idea. Amen. God's idea, you know. And um, family was uh, God's design and, of course, has a structure to it. And, of course, when we go to the user manual, the Bible, uh, we see that marriage covenant is a chosen family model. It becomes a, a unit of strength and a safe, um, a safe place for children to be born and, and uh, to be nurtured and grow in a loving atmosphere. That's God's design. Amen. And, uh, and of course, we should encourage it wherever we can. Strong covenant relationship. And, um, and of course, uh, most would recognise that, you know, that a lot goes wrong in families. And, and we, we, you know, maybe have been exposed to that. I know I was exposed to that. Um, you know, some families speak of uh, absent fathers as being the, the worst part of, um, you know, uh, what, what uh, occurred in their family. Um, but I want to encourage some today, and I know there may be some in, even with us today who would say that um, one of the downsides of having maybe a dysfun- dysfunctional you know, past is a, a, lack of, a lack of respect for um, you know, maybe one or even both parents. And, and uh, I, I believe that we should honour our fathers. I think, um, I think you might have mentioned that somewhere in uh, uh, your worship this morning, um, Rach, you know, to overlook their inconsistencies. And, uh, you know, it's important, I believe, in the sight of God to honour your mother and your father. Isn't that true? And, um, you know, it's, it's actually a commandment. And, of course, the one that actually says it is the first one to carry a promise. First one, first commandment that carries a promise. Amen. And, uh, you know, I... Um, I recall, you know, my own father uh, had some failings and, you know, he leaned on the bottle uh, when things got tough. And uh, especially after when my mother died, uh, when I was in my early teens, 13 years old, but um, he leaned on the bottle as his comfort and his escape and all of those things. And, and uh, that was, you know, a, a tough thing for our family at that time. But um, my affection for him uh, remained and, and remained all the days of his life. I still had an affection for my father. And, and of course, I, I hung with him long enough to see the Lord break some of those bondages off his life as he came to Christ, as he you know, came to know Jesus as his Lord and Saviour and, and, uh, and know that liberating power that comes by the Holy Ghost. And, um, and I believe it was worth the wait. You know? It was worth the faith. It was worth the effort sharing and, and uh, you know, sharing my testimony with him. Um, Ephesians 6.2, and just, sorry, just give me a minute, I'll get my. Ephesians um, 6.2 says, Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Notice, you know, length of days is even t- determined by that honouring uh, heart and, um, and, of course, carries that promise of blessing. That it may be well with you and may live along uh, on the earth. So length of days and blessing may go well with you. And, um, you know, it's uh, 
so important that maybe we identify some areas in our own life where maybe there's a, you know, something that we're still holding on to. Maybe a, a disappointment, a, you know, a, a, you know, maybe some damage that was done, uh, and and identify it. You know, it's funny when you, uh, uh, you know, Rose and I will sometimes talk about our childhoods, and it's interesting how you can get right back to moments, actual moments in time when something was said or something that you know, you know hurt you, that marred you and, and, and um, you know, you carry uh, the burden of it. I, I you know, often, often talk about how my mother, who was a dressmaker, she would, um, she would dress, uh, she was, um, they headhunted her, actually, the Bones in Morley. Anyone know Bones in Morley? They headhunted her. They wanted her to be the, the, the main seamstress there in the, uh, in the, you know, the drapery department and and so out of there, but she wanted to work from home and Dad never wanted her to uh, not be home for the kids when they came home from school. And so, um, so Mum would, uh, uh, just a little, little side game, uh, just do a little bit of sewing and, you know, do dressmaking from home. And so we would invariably, after school, be sitting there at home watching TV, Lost in Space, or whatever it was on, and uh, in, in would, you know, there'd be a knock on the door or the bell would ring and, of course, mum would come down the hallway and bring people in. And my mother would always uh, introduce us boys as we're sitting there watching television. She'd go, oh, this is Alan. He's the brainy one. <laughs> I don't know how many times I heard it, but she said it a lot of times. Said, this is Peter. He's the lazy one. And I'd sit there and go, hi. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't fight it, but, you know, it's amazing how, you know, the, what she didn't know was my brother. And he used to annoy me because in our family home, yeah, your brothers always annoy you. My brother, it wasn't so much that he was brainy, it was just that he was inquisitive. He would mow the lawn just to find out as an experiment how many times it would take to mow the lawn, you know, how many rounds it would take. And can I, if I adjust the blades, can I... You know, my brother became a doctor uh, eventually, so he just had that, that sort of thinking, and he would go out and chop the wood without even being asked, you know. And I'd whinge all the way, you know. <laughs> Do I have to go and bring the wood in? You know, and so the truth was I was just motivated differently than what he was. And, uh, and that's a, a good tip for fathers and mothers, I believe, today, is watch how your kids are motivated. Recognise that some of your children are motivated differently and, and it's not that they've got something bad going on. In fact, they might have something good going on and, that, and God's yet to form it up. God's yet to do a full work and uh, adjust it and hone it and bring it to what it should be. So, um, so just remember that. Hallelujah. Well, again, just getting on to last week and I believe last week um, we saw some accepting that challenge to love like God loves, to go God's way. And, uh, and when it comes to those that hate you or persecute you, uh, we talked about that. It's quite a task to treat your enemies um, as Jesus instructed. Be the first one to agree. It's not an easy pathway. It's not a cinch at all. But it's an action that ensures that we maintain his presence in our lives. And we should be all uh, pursuing that and going after that. It's critical for our faith. Uh, working toward the will of God being accomplished in our lives is to be those that, that uh, walk in love. You know, the Bible tells us that faith works by love. Our faith will work via love. And um, 
faith works to bring the will of God into our lives. And unforgiveness will prevent the will of God from being fulfilled in our lives. Something we should just, you know, just really uh, take note of. The word last week was, you'll know when you're walking in love like God uh, loves, when you make that hard and fast decision that you're going to pray for your enemies and bless them that, you know, persecute you. And, uh, and, and be about that. And actually, that's a litmus test. You'll know because you'll have that release and you'll feel that release as well. Jesus did say, pray for your enemies. Bless those that persecute you. You know, and if we want the divine turnaround, we have to go to that next level in our relationships. And, uh, and that's God's level of forgiveness. All right, can I just say that again? That's God's level of forgiveness. And we should go to that same level. You know, God wants us to. And uh, when we do, there's a shift and a change and it actually brings us right into where he wants us to be. You know, Jesus demonstrated that level when he was on the cross. You know, when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know, and of course we finished last week making it clear from Scripture that mountain-moving faith comes with the condition that we forgive others. And we looked at it. And of course over there in Mark 11 and verse 25 it says and whenever you stand praying if you have anything against anyone so that's uh, uh, very important for us to see and recognize that there's no one excluded then oh love everyone except for so and so and you don't know what they did to me very quiet now in this Pentecostal church <laughs> I'll love everybody except they're not on my Christmas card list. You know. And they are long gone off Facebook. <laughs> Block them. <laughs> Look, you're not walking out of love if you block them, okay? If, the, if, the, if there's just nonsense coming out of that page and that, and that feed from them, you can block them and still love them. I, I'm a firm believer in that. <laughs> yes, that's right. And uh, you can love them from afar. You know. <laughs> Look what it says there. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. And, you know, last time I looked, we all need that still. We all still need to be forgiven for our trespasses because none of us are getting it 100% right. Is that true? Amen. And of course, if we're prayers, if we're people that pray, we're a people that pray, we need to be forgivers. Is really the, the takeaway here. Don't be in church telling people about your prayer life and, you know, how you hear from him. You're getting, you know, minute by minute downloads and, and, and news feeds from the, from the Father when you cannot bring yourself to forgive your enemies. Don't do that, you know. Portray yourself as being sort of up here when in actual fact you're still sort of dragging your feet down here. You know, or even worse, that you're still being retaliatory. Still satisfied with a little bit of revenge and I'll get them. Just, just you wait, you know. It'll come. Hey, we've all been revengeful, haven't we? You know. But the scripture makes it plain, fellowship with God when we have had hatred toward our brothers and sisters in Christ is hindered faith and fellowship. 
you know, fellowship with, you know, with the Lord always starts uh, with a heart to forgive others. Faith won't reach the desired end result when we hold on to a grudge. That's really what we're shifting on to now is talking about faith. Someone says, I'm glad you've been talking about love for far too long now. <laughs> but isn't it funny? It was like Marika's message too, wasn't it? Marika said that she just wanted to get off that love message and it seemed the Lord just keep pulling her back into it. But when she did, there was a breakthrough over into joy and, um, and broke into something that God had for them. But they all had to get, and it was actually the love that God has for us. But you know, um, we're loved with the same love that Jesus was loved with. And, you know, and that's a love that we need to love others with as well. Amen. Getting our faith to work is really where we're up to. Getting our faith to produce the will of God in our lives. And, of course, in the lives of those around us as well. It's a topic for us all uh, to know and get good at applying. Let's consider that when the message of the gospel first reached us, when that person that first spoke to us, and I remember Jim, Rosemary remembers Jim. He was a, a buoyant chap and a, you know, a fun guy to be around. And he was the guy that witnessed to me, shared the gospel with me, told me about how he'd been healed of his heroin addiction. And, um, and well, I'm grateful for this day that he did, and he didn't hold back. And he, did, he wasn't scared of, 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 uh, uh, of, you know, me thinking that he was being a bit weird when he was talking about those things. He had the demonstration of God's healing hand on his life. And, uh, and he was telling people about it. And I was one of them. I'm so glad. But, uh, you know, when that first person spoke to you, remember uh, who that was and somehow expressed, you know, to you that God loves you and explained that to you, that at the, you know, the cross of Jesus, he paid the penalty for our sin and that we can be reconciled to God, the Father, through Jesus Christ, the Son. What happened? And what, what, what did we do? What was the requirement? It was simple. We were to believe that. I, 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 at that first mention of it, didn't necessarily believe it straight away, but I was intrigued. I wanted to know more, particularly seeing that there was actually a manifestation of power that was related to that message. This is where healing comes in, you know, where we, where we not only tell people about the love of God, but actually step in and maybe pray for someone. You know, lay hands on them out in the street, down at the market, you know, um, down the shops, in the workplace. Let them have a demonstration of the, not only just the power of God, but the love of God, you know. You know, um, faith is required, us, required for us to receive salvation. And, and it's called, it's a thing. It's called saving grace, okay, or saving faith, all right, saving faith. And, um, you know, let's just look at that scripture for a moment. Make sure we know it. Uh, you come across someone uh, who's interested in your testimony or, or how you became a Christian. It's good to know where the verse is in the Bible. And, of course, uh, uh, it speaks of saving faith. Romans 10, verse 9 and 10. Okay. You might want to underline it in your Bible if you've got your Bible there. Romans 10, 9 and 10. It's easy to remember. It says, but what does it say? The word is near you and in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, that means faith is in two places. You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
that word save is a Greek word, um, uh, sozo. And what it actually means is to be made every bit whole. Is there anyone here that's uh, every bit whole? It's to be made every bit whole. And it's that ongoing process. And, um, you know, we're saved, but we're being saved. Get that? So, you know, we can, if someone comes to you and says, are you being saved? Well, I'm not every bit whole yet, but I'm on the way. That's okay to respond that way. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 11. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Verse 12. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. And I like verse 13. It's good. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. When we call on him, you know, we shall be saved. And of course, once you've uh, uh, received the promise of salvation, you cannot just go off and say, well, I've got my ticket stamped now. I'm good to go. You know, it's a G2G card, you know, I'm good to go. And of course, when this life is over, I've got my passage to heaven sorted out and, you know, um, start, you know, living according to your own interests. <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. Where to go on in our salvation. We're to go on in that being made every bit whole. And, um, you know, we've been delivered from one kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, and we've been delivered over into the kingdom of God's dear son. And now we're subjects of the kingdom of heaven. And we're to live that way, you know. And uh, that means we, we, you know, march to the beat of a different drum. We live a, a different way. We're not to go the world's way. We're to go God's way. And actually understand what that is. And that's, dip, that's slightly different maybe for different ones. But there's some commonality in there, isn't there, as well. You know, we see certain behaviours dropping off. A bad language would be one. You know, where we, you know, start to say, look, well, I'm just not going to speak that way anymore. You know. And um, some of the old habits drop off. You see, in the kingdom of God, where to go from faith to faith. Right, one degree of faith to another degree of faith. And it's ever-increasing faith that we're walking in. You know, and if the observation of rituals and ceremony was all there was to the Christian life, I suspect I would have been looking for something else quite a long time ago. And uh, you know, my 38 years as a Christian has been with the understanding that saving faith brought me into a relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. And in that relationship... I'm to go on from weak faith to strong faith. And that that's a pathway that God's called us all to go from. Because when you're first saved, your faith is not that strong. And of course, what's the exercise that builds up the muscle of faith? Hearing. Hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's right. There's the exercise. That's how you get those little biceps pumping, you know. That's how you get that muscle you know, building and, and, and getting stronger and stronger. Your faith must be hearing the word of God and giving yourself to those promises. So very important. You know, um, Jesus, um, you know, Jesus uh, didn't come to bring us religion, did he? You know, he came to bring us relationship. And it's in that relationship, you know, that hearing his word, hearing his voice, hearing his direction and guidance for our lives that we find ourselves going on from weak faith to strong faith 
and, uh, and so we should press in for that, that, that close and intimate relationship with the Father. It's very valuable. Someone said religion is man reaching up to God. Uh, Christianity is God reaching down to man. And he's reached us all. Amen? He's reached us all. That's a good thing. You know, the word of faith, as mentioned here in Romans 10, is merely the lifestyle of believing and speaking God's word. That's how we came into you know, God's kingdom, and that's how we continue to live in God's kingdom, is believing and speaking God's word, saying what he says, uh, saying the same thing. The word confess is a Greek word, homologio, means to say the same word as, to say what God's saying. Aligning our, la- our lives to him means getting our mouths and our hearts in alignment with his word. And there's a powerful result that comes from it. You know, we, we are to go on releasing our faith in his promises, seeking his will for our lives and doing those things that are pleasing in his sight. Can I get an amen this morning? Appropriating the promises of God. And the Bible teaches that if we diligently seek him, he will reward us. That's a great scripture. We're going to look at that in a minute. We should recognize from Hebrews 11 that the actual creation uh, is the result of God speaking the universe uh, and the earth we live on into existence. Faith speaks. Faith believes. It's always found in two places, both in your heart and in your mouth. God created the heavens and the earth through the working of faith. God said, let there be light. And what was there? Light. Amen. Hebrews 11 verse 3, it says there, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And of course the 11th chapter of Hebrews helps us understand that saving faith, believing God, was not a new concept that came uh, with the New Testament salvation uh, model. Uh, A few uh, weeks back we looked we looked um, at that faith legend in the Old Testament, Enoch. Remember that? Remember Enoch? Enoch was a guy that didn't live under the law. So he didn't please God with his determination to keep the law. But he was holy, uh, separated to God, committed to God and his ways. This was even before Abraham. And of course, uh, before the law was even given through Moses. And his faith so pleased God that one day the Lord must have just said, I like that guy. He's a good guy. I'm bringing him home. And just brought him home. God took him, the Bible says. Changed in the twinkling of the eye. If you want to read about the rapture, First Thessalonians chapter 4. You can read it there for yourself. There's a rapture coming. So uh, if we're alive at that point, we'll experience the same thing that Enoch experienced. The teaching on faith that pleases God comes out of Hebrews 11.6. Okay. And I've sat and heard that, you know, um, you know, but without faith it's impossible to please God message so many times. But Hebrews 11.5 says this, and I want to just go there and... Um, turn to it it says by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death is that the right one yeah and was not found okay say that he did not see death and he was not found in other words they didn't find his body lying behind a rock in the desert somewhere they couldn't find it and they and the scripture says it they he didn't see death 
because God had taken him. For before he was uh, taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Here's a scripture talking about pleasing God, that Enoch achieved it. And then the very next verse, it says this, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. So how did Enoch please him? By faith, by believing on God. Amen. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You know, make no mistake, diligently seeking God is the effort taken to align yourself to the will of God, being ready to speak his word, believe his word, hear his word. And of course, you know, there's, a, there's a, a, you know, an activity of, of discipline in that, hearing his word and you know, being around the word, making the adjustment to live by faith looks like going on a word diet really. And for some, some need to take that and say, you know, they're looking to improve their physical body. Let me assure you, if you want to improve your spiritual body, you know, the spirit side of you, go on a word diet. You know, give yourself an intake level that you're going to take. And the good thing about this diet is you can have as much as you like, you know. You can, you can really hop into that diet and just really Eat as much as you would like. And of course, it's, it's so very important that when we make that adjustment to live by faith, um, you know, we get to feed on God's promises. How many would, would, would have easily accessible to you a list of God's promises? That you could go right at the moment and go to a file that you've got tucked away, a book you've got in your shelf. God's promises. Those are great books to have around, you know, great uh, things. And you can even Google it, the promises of God concerning healing. And just look through until you'll finally find some diligent believer who sat down and made a list, searched all the scriptures and actually found a list. God's promises for this, God's promises for that. And you can sit there and go through them and you can read those. And what you'll find is maybe one, two, three of them may resonate within your heart. Watch out. God's starting to speak to you through that. And you can then go in and start to study those verses and really sort of chew on them and and meditate on them. You know, um, I remember that transition that occurred as a new believer when, you know, uh, all I wanted to do was read the Word of God. I had found something about it. You know, I could sense my spirit being fed by getting around the Word of God. You know, over in the book of Joshua. um, Actually, that time I was... uh, uh, you know, very early in my uh, Christian uh, walk, I was living as a, um, or living as a, I was, my work life was, um, uh, I had my own delivery business. And so I was going from place to place. And, and before I was saved, I, I, I didn't like to sit and be idle, you know, waiting for a call or waiting for, a, you know, my next job. I didn't like that because that meant that you had downtime, you weren't earning. But after I got saved, I couldn't wait for those moments. In fact, I'd turn the radio right down so they couldn't, you know, reach me, you know, and just sit there and just start reading the Word of God and say, I'm having a lunch hour, you know, and sorry I was on lunch hour, you know, and then they call me again and say, oh, we want you to go here and there. But I, I, I enjoyed that, and, um, and I felt my spirit being so nurtured um, by that, you know, Word of God intake. And you do as well, and you should remember, remember those days when you were as well nurtured by the word of God and go in feed again it's 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 living and alive the word of God encourage you to live that lifestyle putting the word of God first place you know I remember that and uh, 
You know, over in the book of Joshua, we see him, you know, uh, Joshua being set into the role as leader of the people of Israel, taking up the role after Moses died. He gets told by God uh, that the key to his leadership should be, and he's not sent off to leadership training school, he's, he, he doesn't need a master's uh, 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 in leadership. In the bu- book of Joshua, first, first chapter, uh, Joshua gets a tip on how he should live around the word of God. And, uh, and, and it's a great verse to look at. Look at it now. It says, oh, I didn't put it in there. I'll just read it to you. It says this, Joshua 1, verse 7 to 8. It says, above all, be strong and courageous. Be careful to observe all the law that my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may prosper wherever you go. And then he says this in verse 8, and this is worth remembering, just to remind yourself of that task of being a person of the word. It says, this book of the law must not depart from your mouth. How do, if you ever, you know, just think about that. He's saying it shouldn't be out of your mouth. You should always have the word of God in your mouth, Joshua. This book of the law must not depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in all that you do. When you get a hold of the truth that success is connected to your commitment to the word of God and you start to make applications of it with a view to walking in your, you know, God-given destiny, the success that he has uh, designed for each and every single one of us. When we get, I tell you, you'll get hungry for the word. You start to say, oh, I've got to step into this more and more. Because, you know, opportunity might come along and you, you might have experienced some opportunities. But if you walk through this door in your relationship with God, watch out. I know because I walked through it. And it was, it was like chalk and cheese, the difference. But I made that commitment. I was probably two and a half, three years old as a Christian. I just had just gotten to this point of, of strong commitment and I just said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to live according to the word of God. I'm going to make it my all, be all and end all. And the Lord gave me a vision of walking through this, through this door and, and it was so bright I could barely look in it, but it was my destiny door. And you know what? I decided I was going to go. And I went through that. And you, from one week to another, things just started to happen in amazing, uh, uh, in amazing ways. I just made that, you know, that absolute total commitment. Uh, someone calls it a quality commitment. I've heard it taught that way. It's a quality commitment. You know what a quality commitment is? One that you'll never change your mind about. You make a quality commitment. Let me just throw a little tester out to you this morning. You know, if, if you're today believing for a miracle, believing for a turnaround in a difficult situation that you might be facing, and some of those are things that are there and they stay there. How many, how many of you know what I'm talking about? It's something that's there and it's, it seems like it's not going away. You can live around it, but it's a difficult situation and, um, and it's kind of permanent. You know, you need a divine intervention in the natural scheme of things, and you know it. Let me ask you something. What promise of God are you standing on? Do you know it? 
Do you know what that, what that verse of scripture is that you're standing on? Can you quote it? Chapter and verse? And of course the ultimate is, are you praying it and are you saying it? You know, the activity of feeding our faith and starving our doubts is ongoing. Well, pastor, I get a little busy at work. I've got these little children and they just take up all my time and the thought life and all those things. Uh, you know, but we should understand that we have no excuse for not being hearers of the word of God and doers of the word of God. We have no excuse. For those that are, you know, believing for a marriage partner, um, what promise are you standing on? Is there, is there a passage of scripture particularly that you found that um, uh, fits right into that situation? You know, in 1986, and I was 19, it was the winter of 1986, I remember where I was, the season I was in, what was going on, and I spent a lot of time laying down the blueprint for my life. I'd gotten to that point where I wanted to make strong commitment to the Word of God, and I'd lay, start, just started writing down um, you know my, uh, you know my commitments, and uh, what I was believing uh, God for. And I covered all the main areas of my life, writing out a prayer from the promises of God for each one, just so that it flowed. But it was actually straight out of the promises of God. And one of those areas I focused on was marriage. Hadn't met Rosemary yet, and uh, that's a romantic story in itself. But. Uh, I wrote down promises concerning my marriage partner. And, and, and just yesterday I went up, because I know where that book is in my bookshelf, and I grabbed it and sat it down and had another little read about it and, um, and just read what I'd actually written down. And, uh, you know, I was at a point in my life where I'd stopped looking for a girlfriend, a partner. I'd stopped looking... And what I'd done is I started to believe God for my wife. You know who she is, I would say to the Lord. Lord, you know who she is. You know where she is. And I'd say, bring her to me. I got to a point where I was really frustrated in the fact that, you know, you're looking and looking and looking and looking and realized that that was the very thing that was actually hindering me from finding my wife. And, um, and, then, uh, and the, the total conviction that God had a wife for me that he foreknew you know that prayer that I'd written started with the admission that when he made man he said it was not good for a man to be alone so that was a very <laughs> I had a little giggle as I read that um, just yesterday again reminding myself it's not good for a man to be alone that was the first uh, the first line of that and um, and you know it, it then declared that um, she will be bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And, and uh, I was looking at, and trying to remember, uh, we had a couple that sung a song at our, um, at our wedding, you know, just at the appropriate moment they got up and sung a song. Lovely couple, uh, Laurie and Rose. And uh, they sung a song called Bone of My Bones, Flesh of My Flesh. And um, it was, it was a, a beautiful thing. But, you know, the Lord's been faithful to his promise all these years. And, um, you know, one thing that we can do when we're facing issues is have someone agree with us. You know, I, I 
couldn't have, um, wouldn't necessarily remind myself of anyone that actually stood and prayed with me at that time. But I, I got into that point where I was totally convicted uh, by the fact that, you know, uh, looking and trying to date and trying to fight, that was all my own energies. It was just my own efforts. And that if I stopped doing it and just confessed the word of God in this situation, it would turn around. And uh, I had no one to agree with me. I wasn't, you know, sort of one of those things I didn't really want to sort of get someone to stand in agreement with me for my wife. I didn't want to do that. It was one of those things I wanted to have just tucked in my own heart as something I was believing for. But remember this uh, one time, and I'll just share this testimony before we close, look at one scripture maybe. I was... um, uh, sharing house with a bunch of other guys, young guys, and uh, we had this, uh, one of them had just bought a racing bike, and um, it was quite a nice bike to ride, and, uh, and I'd said, can I borrow your bike one afternoon, it's a Saturday afternoon, and we were, just all, we were all just chilling and relaxing in the house, I said, could I borrow your bike for a bit of a ride, and he goes, yeah, sure, so I went for a long ride around the, you know, park, and I don't know, I must have been wearing a fairly, fairly um, short little, uh, uh, you know, Footy, footy shorts or something, I don't know, but uh, there I was walking on and I thought I'd gotten to a point where I just wanted to walk. So I sort of got off the bike and I was riding along. And uh, uh, walking along and this, this um, car uh, came around the corner and uh, it was, um, I don't know, probably three or four young 17-year-old girls who were probably just got their own license and they were really whooping it up and they had their windows wound down and they, you know, they wolf-whistled me. You know, and, I, and I'm kind of, you know, at first it's like the compliment. <laughs> but the first thing that hit my heart really was, was, Lord, you know all the women in all the world. Please bring me my wife. I tell you, it must have come from my heart, you know. It must have really just sort of just hit heaven, you know, because uh, within, I think maybe even a few days, I think it was a few, I say within three weeks, but... I think within three weeks we were, we were definitely an item. But within a few days, Rose and I were talking on the phone. And uh, with just this amazing sense of God putting us together and that was something that he was doing and that we had nothing to do with it. And we had to work through this sense of being knit together by God when, you know, her testimony before that was she didn't like me. You know, in fact, even worse, she used to avoid me. <laughs> But God can change things around, can't he? You know. And um, I had some, there were some funny aspects to it because I, 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 I had been believing for a blonde wife. I'd gotten into details, you know. I'd gotten into details, she's going to be a good cook, you know. I've been praying that she'd be a good cook and I've been praying that uh, uh, she would, um, she would uh, you know, uh, be a family uh, 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 wife, you know, family-orientated wife, and and uh, I'd prayed that she would um, uh, she would be blonde, and uh, sure enough, when she told me when she was Italian, I, I I couldn't quite believe that she was Italian because she was blonde. Of course, she comes from the northern part of uh, Italy, which is more blonde, and uh, so again, there was just all this realization that the Lord had 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 all of these things in store, all of these things, but He had it all looked after. And uh, we're able to um, go on in our early marriage into our destiny, knowing that we were meant to be together. And uh, it was a beautiful thing and a good foundation for our marriage. 
But, you know, I, I just wanted to finish with this is that, you know, sometimes we do struggle with our faith and sometimes it's things that we're looking into and seeing and recognising that are difficult to us and that what we should do uh, is find someone that will pray with us. And there's a scripture that actually deals with that in, um, in Matthew 18 and verse 19 through to 20. It says, again, I tell you truly that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done by my Father in heaven. For where two or three together are gathered together in my name, there am I with them. Good scripture, isn't it? Matthew 18, 19, verse 20. You know, and, and we, when we close the service, we usually make time for a minute or two for uh, people to come down the front and be prayed for. So often it's the prayer of agreement that's going on where someone speaks of their need and will agree with you. You know, you speaking of your need when you come down to, uh, in, you know, down in the altar call and, and, or find us after the service and say, look, I've just got this need, I just want, I just want to pray. What we're going to do, we're going to, we always apply this scripture, Matthew 18, 19, and, um, and, and, and agree with you. And it says, uh, if, and I tell you truly that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask, it will be done by my Father in heaven. This is Jesus speaking, putting it on the line. So when we get our faith out there, when we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, pray what we believe to be the word of God, the will of God, and have someone come and agree with us according to the word of God, that's really powerful. Don't ever dismiss what happens down the front here on a Sunday morning. In fact, I've been, I've been thinking uh, just lately that we might have to get people starting to line up that way to go to the kiosk because, you know, so often I go to pray for someone and they say, no, no, I'm here for the lunch line, you know. <laughs> and um, so, you know, just, just, be, just be mindful of that when you come down uh, the front. Come down on this side and, you know, let the people line up for the food. And we're going to do that in a minute. We're going to dismiss and we're going to have some... It is lunch Sunday today, so... And uh, Rosemary said the men shouldn't have to pay. It's Father's Day. So Rosemary was telling me earlier on, so the men don't need to pay, okay? So usually it's a, um, a, uh, there's a fee for, for lunch there, just a very cheap fee. But, you know, I, I want us just to finish today, and, and I'm going to invite the worship team to come. I want us all just to finish today with, with an acknowledgement that there's a lifestyle of faith that we're all called to. And I'd like us just to pray together as we all stand. Let's just all stand and... I want to finish with a, a word of prayer. Encourage you to pray this from your heart too today, you know, and um, sometimes we can just let it slip and just think, well, you know, case or ass or ah, whatever will be, will be. But God wants us to live according to his word. God wants us to live, you know, based on his word. You know, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, we want to keep our hearts open for the word of God to be uh, something that, that he directs into our lives so we can stand on it and believe for the fulfillment of it. So why don't we just uh, agree to get today that today is just a fresh start, Lord. Heavenly Father, we come as a congregation, as a church, Father God. And we're we're uh, on this topic of uh, uh, the lifestyle of faith, Father. And Lord, as, we, um, as we've been around your word today, Lord, we ask that, Lord, that revelation knowledge would flow freely, Father. Even as we go from here today, Lord, and it's not be a, a, a message that's forgotten, but there be truths from it, Lord, that we can actually make application. Lord, that we can, um, uh, Lord, enlighten and, uh, and, and, and bring light on our past with it, Father. So, Lord, we, we pray today, Lord. We pray together and ask, Lord, that um, your word just continue to be that strong foundation that we build our lives on. Lord, uh, not just... Uh, uh, 
something that's on the shelf gathering cobwebs, but something that's in our heart that's alive, Father, your word. And Lord, that we'd be um, uh, careful to speak it, just like Joshua was told, that success is built on it, Father. And, um, and Lord, that we'll prosper as a result. Lord, we thank you for these things. And, and Lord, we, uh, we again fresh today, Lord God, in our hearts. As we sing this song together today, Lord, we make you, Lord God, that, that cornerstone and the centre of it all. And we thank you for it in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.